0: This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Funding for this class is provided by Benjamin Aghyeh and family in loving memory of Raphael, son of Chacham Rabbi Chia. Lessons in Tanya the Tanya of Rabbi Shneur Zalman of Liadi, taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg.
1: In the first part of the 4th chapter, we learn about the three expressions, the three levushim, he calls them, the clothes, the expressions of the soul. There's a difference, just like there's a difference between a body and clothes. Body is part of you, clothes are external, they're interchangeable. Uh, but nevertheless, clothes capture the person. The, the person walks around in his clothes, the person reveals himself in his clothes, expresses himself in his clothes, the clothes contain the person himself. But nevertheless, the clothes are external to the person. You don't feel your clothes. If your clothes uh, get cut, you don't feel it. It's not part of you. You can change it, unlike yourself. You can't add a finger. You can't take off a finger. If your finger gets hurt, it's part of you. So, too, you have the soul. You have the body of the soul, which is like the emotions of the soul, the intellect of the soul. When you change your emotions, something changes inside of you. You feel differently. You love or you hate. So something changes inside of you. It becomes part of your personality, your character, your being. If you understand something and then you understand something differently, something shifts in your understanding. So something shifts, changes internally. Once you understand something, you don't, can't understand otherwise. You know, once you understand 2 plus 2 is 4, you can't understand 2 plus 2 is 5. You know, it, it, it becomes an internal part of you. Then you have the expressions of the soul. The manifestations of the soul, how what, what the soul thinks, speaks, and acts, and that's external. That's interchangeable. You know, you can think, even though you don't feel like it. You know, you can do the right thing, even though, even though you don't uh, you don't feel like it. But nevertheless, although the thought of Torah and the speech of Torah and the action of Torah are just actions external to the soul, but nevertheless, they are clothed. They're called clothes because they embody the soul. The soul is finds itself inside these clothes because what motivates a Jew to study Torah, what motivates a Jew to do mitzvah? it's the love of Hashem and the fear and the awe of Hashem. You know, when a person loves Hashem, he's motivated to be connected with Hashem. And the only way to connect with Hashem is through a mitzvah. When a person feels a sense of fear, a sense of awe, a sense of fear, and the uh, fear is... What keeps a person from being psychotic, (laughs) from being disconnected from reality. A person has a healthy sense of um, of fear, of awe, that keeps you human, that keeps you real, that keeps you down to earth. Uh, Otherwise, a person could become totally disconnected, totally delusional, totally disconnected from reality. So the person needs a, a balance. Of course, the primary force is love. But a person also needs counterbalance. A person has to have a check. A person has to have a sense of, of fear, of awe, to keep you in place and to help you create boundaries and limits and uh, to limit yourself, you know, suppress your um, appetites from running amok, from running wild without any sense of limitation. So it's a sense of awe, of fear. Of course, a healthy fear. As the Valshamtov said, if you fear... God, you have no reason to fear anything else. So if a person has a healthy sense of fear of God, or you feel the presence of Hashem, and you feel an awe of Hashem, that motivates you to do the mitzvah, and then you do it with enthusiasm. It's not just, you know, mechanical or by rote. When a Jew fulfills the 365 don'ts, and he does it out of a sense of awe, because Hashem says, don't do this, and therefore that's enough of a boundary for you, and that's enough of a limit to suppress your your appetite and your desire, then that mitzvah is done with feeling. It's done with heart and soul. So you're really pouring out your heart and soul and expressing your heart and soul in the action, in the deed, in the mitzvah that you're committing and the the acts that you're refraining from, from committing. So your soul is found within these clothes, expresses itself within these clothes, just like clothes, although they're external. But the person is dressed in the clothes and the person expresses himself through the clothes. So too... Although the action, thought, speech, and action are external to the soul, but nevertheless, the soul does express itself through, through these uh, actions. Now, in the next segment of the fourth chapter, he's going to discuss a very revolutionary approach, the whole Jewish approach, an understanding of Torah and Mitzvot. And he says that although, in general, clothes are on a lower level than the body. Clothes are external, the body is internal. The same is true with the soul. The body of the soul, which is the intellect of the soul and the emotions of the soul, on a much higher level seemingly than the, than the actions of the soul, the expressions of the soul, the good deed, the good speech, the good thought. He says, but in truth it's just the opposite. In this case, the clothes of the soul are is far superior on a much higher level then the actual soul itself, the body of the soul, which is the intellect, the meditation, the reflection, and the emotions. And that's what we're going to discuss in the next segment.
0: Until now it has been explained that the Divine Soul has three garments in which it clothes itself. The thought, speech, and action of Torah and the commandments. The Alta Rebbe now goes on to state that, unlike physical garments, which are less important than their wearer, the garments of the divine soul are even loftier than the soul which wears them. Thus, wearing its garments, thinking and speaking words of Torah, and acting in performance of the commandments, elevates the soul to a higher level. For since Torah and the commandments are one with God, the Jew, by donning the garments of Torah and the commandments, also becomes united with him. In the altar of his word. Now these three garments, deriving from the Torah and its commandments, though well, they are called merely garments of the Nefesh, Ruach, and the Neshama, nevertheless their quality, the quality of the garments of the Torah and its commandments, is infinitely higher and greater than that of the Nefesh, Ruach, and the Neshama themselves. For as explained in the Zohar, Torah and the Holy One, blessed be he, are truly one.
1: So... Yes, clothes are on a much lower level than, than the body, and so too you would think the clothes of the soul, the garments or the expressions of the soul, the thought, speech, and action of the soul, are on a much lower level than the soul itself. But these expressions are the garments are the garments of Hashem. They are Hashem's thought. Such the Torah is Hashem's will, and the mitzvah, the, the Torah and the mitzvah are Hashem's will, and therefore. The garments, which are Hashem's expression of Hashem, and Hashem and His thoughts are one. Hashem and His Torah are one. Hashem and His mitzvot are one. So therefore, since they're divine, they're superior to the soul itself, which is not divine, which is finite. Are mitzvahs and
0: commandments interchangeable
1: as words? Yeah, yes, mitzvah literally means commandment. Mm. The mitzvah, the 613 mitzvah. The classical understanding of mitzvot. if you read the Rishonim, the Chinuch, the Great Commentary. The classical understanding of the mitzvah is that the mitzvot are an educational tool. And Hashem gave us an educational tool in order to refine ourselves spiritually and mentally and psychologically and to elevate us and to make us more religiously sensitive. Hashem gave us tools. And these are the mitzvot because a person, a human being, is influenced by actions. That's the whole foundation of behavioral therapy. Behavioral therapy is based on the idea that a person is influenced by his actions. So if you're constantly doing something, it will ultimately impact you. Even a person who has no religious sensitivity, but if you're constantly thinking about Hashem and constantly speaking about Hashem and constantly doing a mitzvah to remind you of Hashem, inevitably something has to rub off. Something has to rub off. At least we hope so the idea of the mitzvah is that the mitzvah is an educational tool in order to make an imprint, to have an impact on the personality. Because So what matters most is the inside, the inner, the person. Your personality, your character, your heart, your mind. But in order to develop a religious sensitivity, so the Torah gave us a powerful tool, and that is mitzvah. Instead of just sitting and meditating and reflecting and the Torah gave us a tool, gave us actions and deeds to constantly wake us up and to constantly remind us and to bring it to the forefront of our attention, to constantly influence us and, and uh, change us through behavior. Even if we don't feel anything inside, but at least behaviorally we should act and remind ourselves, and that ultimately, inevitably, will have an impact. So according to the classical understanding of mitzvot, the mitzvot indeed are a means to an end. The, the mitzvot are external, are the clothes, and what's primary is the religiosity of the person, the inner sensitivity of the person, the intensity of the person, the depth of the, the person, the conviction of the person, the sincerity. But in order to achieve that, we need these tools, these practical tools. So according to this classical understanding, the, the, the lavushim, the, the mitzvot, are external and are a secondary level to the internal religious experience. But, in fact, one of, the six, one of the 13 principles of faith spelled out by Maimonides is that the Torah will never ever change. The 613 mitzvot will never ever change, just like we have 10 fingers, and we had 10 fingers in Rome, and we had 10 fingers in Greece, and we had 10 fingers in Mesopotamia, 4,000 years ago, we're going to have 10 fingers in 1,000 years from now. not going to grow an extra finger. Core things don't change. So too, the mitzvot are unchangeable. You have 248 limbs, you have 248 mitzvot. You have 365 veins, you have 365 don'ts, prohibitions. And that's never going to change. And that's one of the 13 principles of faith. Now, the great commentary that... uh, Barbernell, who was the minister of finance in Spain during the expulsion, um, the queen offered him to stay, he refused, he went to exile with his brothers, with his brethren. And he questions Maimonides' choice, he says, why is this one of the 13 principles of faith? Why is that a principle of faith to believe that the Torah will never change? He says, what if God one day will decide to change the Torah? Let's say, God will give us another Mount Sinai. And then that's and the mountain will say, okay, no more tefillin. He says, and even, let's say the rabbis knew by divine inspiration, that they knew there will never be another Mount Sinai. God will never ever reveal himself again and never give a new Torah. But, but why does it matter? I mean, theoretically, and if God would decide, why is that a principle of Jewish faith that God will never change the Torah? Why is that so, 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 so central to Jewish faith? I mean, after all, maybe if the mitzvot are an educational tool, for our own personal growth and spiritual growth, it may be mitzvot that we've outgrown. Maybe we don't need sacrifices anymore. Can you imagine the temples will be rebuilt and we're going to restore animal sacrifices and the animal rights movements are going to have a field day? Maybe, maybe we've outgrown it. Maybe we needed it then. The world was steeped in idolatry. Everyone was offering sacrifices. So God gave us sacrifices. Hermanides explains in the Guide of, of Perplex. Maybe today we don't need it anymore. I mean, what's the end of the world? If, why is it, why is it a, a Jew doesn't believe that the Torah could never possibly change? It basically denies the whole essence of Judaism. Why is that such an essential core belief of Judaism to believe? that the Torah will never ever change in no circumstance. And the Torah is eternal. The 613 mitzvot, as they were given to us, is eternal. Why is that such a principle of Jewish faith? And and this chapter, Al-Turabi explains, it's giving us the explanation.
0: So we will have sacrifices, God willing? Of course.
1: One of, it's part of a central part of the Torah. Mm-hmm. Majority of the mitzvot have to do with the temple and mm-hmm. sacrifices. It's the central book in the Torah, Leviticus, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Sacrifices being animals. Animal, sacrifices. animals, animal
1: sacrifices, right? Absolutely, goats and sheep and bulls, as, as described in the Torah.
0: Why did they stop?
1: We don't have a temple. Mm-hmm. Well, so here, the Al really gets to the crux of the whole understanding of what mitzvot are all about. If mitzvot were merely educational tools for our own self-actualization, our own growth, spiritual growth, our own development, then you're right. Listen, you graduate first grade and now you move on. You can use, uh, you can use high, ev- more evolved tools. You don't need the tools. So it's possible, theoretically, that the Jewish people, as we evolve, we reach a certain stage and Hashem says, okay, you don't need these tools anymore. You're ready for the next set of, of, of tools. But that's only if the mitzvot are there to help us develop ourselves but in truth that's not what a mitzvah is all about the essence of a mitzvah is and that's what distinguishes the 613 mitzvot that were given to the Jewish people versus the 7 Noahide laws the universal laws 7 Noahide laws the purpose of the 613 mitzvot, of the Jewish mitzvot are, as we say in every blessing when we do a mitzvah, mm-hmm. Baruch Hato'a Hashem, Olokeinu Asher Kedushonu. Kedushonu means you sanctified us, but the root comes from the word Kedushin, as there, we points out later in Tanya, marriage. The point of a mitzvah is that it's a connection, it's a link, it's a connection to Hashem. I am doing the mitzvah, it's not about me, it's not about my self-actualization. It's not about my spiritual development, about my spiritual growth. That's a fringe benefit. The core, the essence of the mitzvah is that I'm doing this for Hashem because this pleases Hashem. Like in marriage. In marriage you do things for your spouse. Even though it's not, it's not about me. Forget about yourself. It's not about me. I am doing something to please my spouse. It pleases the other person, that's why I'm doing it. Maybe to me it means nothing but it means it's meaningful to the other person, I'm doing it only because it means something to them. And marriage is the only relationship in the world that's not a means to an end. It's an end in itself. It's just celebrating each other, being together. That is the end. It's not like a means to an end. That is the end, just being together. That, that is what it's all about.
0: So you're saying that all the mitzvahs we do are to please Hashem?
1: Right. All the mitzvahs that we're doing is core, ultimately, because this is what pleases Hashem, this is what Hashem asks of us, this is what Hashem, Hashem desires, this is what creates a link and a connection, there's no ulterior motive. In marriage is no ulterior motive. Everything else I do is an ulterior motive. I go to work, I do business, I have, there's an ulterior motive. I'm doing it because I'm going to get something for it, whatever the marketplace will give me, money or fame or whatever I seek or desire, it's, a, it's, a, it's an exchange. Marriage is not an exchange. There's no ulterior motive. It's an end in itself. Everything I do in the marriage, from the smallest thing, taking out the garbage, washing the dishes, helping out, whatever it is, the smallest buying a flower, the tiniest thing, the smallest thing, the greatest thing, is motivated by one thing. There's no ulterior motive. It's an end in itself. And just being together and, and celebrating each other. And that's the ultimate reason why we do the mitzvah. Now, every mitzvah, of course, comes with many fringe benefits on all levels, physically, psychologically, spiritually, metaphysically, you do a mitzvah, it leads to health. It leads to a healthier lifestyle. It leads to emotional satisfaction. It leads to spiritual growth. It leads to metaphysical development. But that's all a fringe benefit. That, that's not what it's about. The core, the essence of the mitzvah is kiddushon, it's a merit. And that's the essence of Judaism. That's why in the Torah, Hashem is always referred to as He. Not because the Torah was written by men, but because it's a marriage. Hashem is the groom, we're the kala. The Mount Sinai was the chuppah. And the giving of the Torah was the, was the betrothal between the Jewish people and Hashem, the Kiddush. And therefore, once we understand what the basis of Torah and Mitzvot all about, now we can understand why Maimonides states that this is one of the 13 principles of faith, the core principles of faith, and the Jew denies this, denies the whole essence of the Torah. That the Torah will never is eternal, will never ever change. Because if the Torah can change, then what does that say? It says the Torah is just a means to an end. It's an external, it's a, be, it's a behave, behave, behavioral tool. It's there to help me grow. It's about me. It's about religion my religiosity and my spirituality and my intensity and actualize myself and develop myself but that's missing the whole point the whole essence of judaism is it's not about let's forget about yourself it's about doing what hashem wants what can i do to please my spouse if this is important to hashem it may not be important to me. you buy a flower for your spouse it may not may mean nothing to you on, on, you, on your spouse's birthday, you'll take them out to their, their favorite restaurant, not your favorite. It's not about you. It's about them. So if this means something to Hashem, that's why I'm doing it. That's the difference in religion and Judaism. Religion is about me. Lord, get me high. What can God do for me today? Yiddishkeit is not about me. It's forgetting about me. What can I do for Hashem? What can I do to please Hashem? If this is what Hashem wants from me, then, then that's important for me. And I don't need any ulterior motive. That is the end in itself, the fact that I have a link and I have a connection. When you do a mitzvah, it's like Hashem hugging you and touching you because the mitzvah is Hashem. The mitzvah is Hashem's will and Hashem's, the Torah is Hashem's mind. Hashem and His will and His mind are one. So when you're studying Torah, you're being enveloped by Hashem. When you're doing a mitzvah, it's like Hashem is physically hugging you and touching you because the mitzvah is physical and that's Hashem and His mitzvah are one. So you're one with Hashem. That's the end in itself. I don't need anything else. I I'm not expecting a reward or that's all. Of course the reward will come. What's the
0: reward that will
1: come? There are many rewards, many levels. There's a reward that will come, a Mashiach will come. There's a reward that comes instantly. All the fringe benefits that come from, from leading a Jewish lifestyle. It leads to wholesomeness, leads to health, leads to happiness, fulfillment, and, and self-actualization. And then every mitzvah has its own unique impact on us. Every mitzvah has its own unique way that can help us and help us our own personal life and help us develop and help us. So those benefits are there. But that's, that's just the, that's the fringe benefit. The primary story, the main event is the mitzvah itself. The fact that I'm strengthening my link, strengthening my marriage, strengthening my relationship and I'm just intimate with Hashem and close with Hashem. And therefore, that's what Dr. Rebbe says, that this revolutionizes our whole understanding of a mitzvah. Mitzvot are not just tools, means to an end, just external, superficial. As a means to develop the soul. It's on the contrary, the soul is elevated through the mitzvah. How does the soul touch Hashem and connect with Hashem? Only through the mitzvah. When the soul enclothes itself, wears the clothes of the mitzvah. When the soul, when the mind engrosses itself in the thought of Torah engages in the fort of Torah. And when the soul loves Hashem and expresses that love and is motivated as a result of that love to do a mitzvah. So the mitzvah is animated. The mitzvah is passionate. The mitzvah is alive. It's vibrant. It's joyful. It's meaningful. There's depth. There, there, there's focus. There's concentration. There's something personal. You invest your personal self in the mitzvah. So through the mitzvah, which is divine, the soul is elevated. It's the exact opposite of the way the conventional understanding of Of Clothes clothes are usually external. And the clothes are elevated through the person. It's not the clothes that make the person. It's the person that make the clothes. And the the, the person puts himself in this clothes and expresses himself through the clothes. But here it's just the opposite. The clothes are far superior than the soul, the personality, the character that expresses itself and that encloses himself in these clothes. Because the clothes are, are Hashem. It's Hashem's will, it's the Hashem's mitzvot, it's Hashem's Torah. So when the soul invests itself, its mind and its heart, heart and soul into the Torah, into the mitzvah, into the external action, thought, speech and action, the good deed and the mitzvah, 613 mitzvot, it's the reverse, it's the soul that's elevated, that's uplifted, that soars and it connects with the essence of Hashem. And that's what he, the commoners read, he read, that the quality, the quality of the garments of the Torah's commandment is infinitely higher and greater than that of the Nefesh Ruach and the Shammah themselves. Why? Because as explained in the Zohar that the Torah and the Holy One blessed be he are truly one. So you're connecting through the mitzvah. And that's why it's one of the certain principles of Jewish faith that the Torah is eternal. The Torah will never change one ayor. Because the motivation of a mitzvah, again, is to connect with Hashem. And therefore really doesn't matter what the mitzvah is. A great mitzvah, a small mitzvah, a tiny mitzvah, a great mitzvah. Although the Torah itself calls this mitzvah great, this mitzvah minor, it makes no difference. It doesn't make any difference. What happened at Mount Sinai was that Hashem created a connection with us. Hashem commanded us. Hashem created a link with us. And therefore we do the mitzvah with the same enthusiasm. It doesn't matter if Hashem would tell us to chop wood, we do it with the same enthusiasm as we do anything else. The greatest myths, because the details don't matter. It's, a, it's not about the details. It's about my relationship with Hashem. Anything that I can do to please Hashem. It's like in a marriage, a relationship. It doesn't matter if it's a minor thing. It's not a question of scoring points. All the major things I'm going to do, the small things don't matter. In a, in a real relationship, the smallest thing matters. Anything I will do to strengthen the relationship, to strengthen the, the, that connection is meaningful and, and I'll do it with enthusiasm anything that can sever or harm or diminish even in the smallest way that relationship if you transgress and you trespass and you diminish that relationship if you have something so wonderful that is the worst punishment as the rabbi saying in the ethics of our father the reward of the mitzvah is the mitzvah itself I don't need any other reward I don't need any external reward the reward of the mitzvah is the fact that I have a connection with Hashem I'm strengthening my connection with Hashem I'm, Hashem is hugging me I'm intimate with Hashem I'm studying His Torah my mind is wrapped up in His mind that, that's the end. And vice versa. What's the greatest punishment? The punishment is the sin itself. Not that lightning is going to strike or God is going to punish me or God is going to hurt me. It's, it's, I have such a special relationship and I've done something to diminish or to harm, to harm that relationship. That is the worst punishment.
0: I'm, I'm not clear on the reward of the mystery is the mystery itself. Is the
1: fact that you have a connection.
0: But you don't experience that reward. It's, it's only a the connection thing. is
1: a reality. It's the fact that you're one with Hashem. You can spend time with Hashem. That's the greatest reward. We were chosen to be Hashem's marriage partner. And we, we were, you know, ultimately, due to no fault of our own, but <laughs> we were chosen, Hashem and His grace, chosen to be His marriage partner. And the fact that we have this relationship with Hashem, which is really an end in itself. Don't forget, everything else in the universe is just a means to an end. Everything. From angel on down. Every aspect of the universe is just a means to an end. But the Jew is an end in itself because we have that marriage, that relationship with Hashem, just the fact, just being together. That is the end in itself. And how does a Jew connect with Hashem? Through Torah and mitzvah. So when you study Torah, you're, you're you're spending time with Hashem. Like Hashem is sitting opposite you and He's teaching you. When you're praying, you're talking to Hashem.
0: Why does it say that the reward will be in the world? Know that the reward will be in the world to come. To me, it always meant that we're not
1: going to see it. You know, in the world to come, you'll appreciate it. You'll realize that the reward of the mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. So,
0: in this world, we'll never really appreciate it. It's like the world
1: to come is compared to Shabbos. Shabbos, Shabbos is celebrating the marriage, the relationship. you welcome in the Kawa. Shabbos is just is celebrating the marriage and relationship, and it, it's, it's just that is the end in itself. Just being together, that is the greatest reward. But when Rashiach will come, a Jew will realize. A Jew will recognize what what mitzvot are all about. If you go through your entire life and you view mitzvot as something external, something that you do in order to get a reward, or you view the mitzvah as a job that you're hired to do or you're obligated to do, then you're really missing the whole point of what the mitzvah is all about. The greatest reward is when you realize and you experience and you feel the deepest pleasure that you can get is the fact that you're one you with Hashem. That, that the, the reward is right here. <laughs> the reward of the mitzvah is the moment they do the mitzvah. I don't need anything external. When you're intimate with Hashem, Mashiach it will be the, is compared to the consummation of the marriage. With Mashiach, then a Jew will be intimate. Every time a Jew will do a mitzvah, a Jew will recognize and experience and feel what is really going on. So we've been doing mitzvah for thousands of years, but perhaps for thousands of years many Jews didn't realize what the mitzvah is really all about the classical understanding of a mitzvah is that it's a tool uh, educational tool it's a tool to help us uh, behaviorally it helps us um, uh, fine tune our religiosity our religious sensitivities and help us develop and it's a tool for our self-actualization and spiritualization but that's external that's superficial. That's not the core of what it's all about. So Mashiach come, the core will be revealed. And if you'll, you'll experience that intimacy each and every moment, that, that is the reward in itself. That is the reward. And that's one of the reasons that a, a Jew can keep Shabbos. A non-Jew is not allowed to keep Shabbos. Because that type of relationship is unique to the Jew and Hashem. Because nothing in the universe is really an end in itself. Everything in the universe is just a means to an end. God created it for a reason. It's a means a means to an end. That's why a person by nature has to constantly be active, has to constantly be busy, to constantly justify your, your 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 purpose. Why am I here? And if you don't fulfill your purpose, then your 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 existence has no meaning, is irrelevant. The exception is the truth because God chose Churches us to, the Jew oh. because God chose us to be his marriage partner marriage is an end in itself it's not a means to an end it's an end in itself there's being together that is the end it's not like okay we're together so what are we going to do now <laughs> this is, it's, it's, that's the pleasure the pleasure is not from anything else it's the pleasure is just being together celebrating each other there's nothing else and, and that's, that's what the relationship of a Jew and God is all about and that's the Torah that's the purpose of the, the Torah that's why in the very first word in the Torah it says Bereshis. Rashi says right in the beginning. Bereshis means bez There's two beginnings. The Torah and the Jew. The entire world was created for the Torah and the Jew. Because ultimately there's nothing else. Ultimately, what's an end in itself? The Torah and the Jew. God, the Jew, and the Torah.
0: So the mitzvah is
1: an end in itself. Yeah. The mitzvah is Hashem. Hashem is his mitzvah one. Hashem is Torah one. and Hashem chose the Jew to be his marriage partner and how how are we, we intimate with Hashem through Torah and mitzvah? So, Mashiach will come, that will emerge, that core truth will emerge and surface, and the Jew will feel it tangibly and experience it. And you'll realize that the reward of Mashiach, is not like two separate things. It's not like, okay, we've done mitzvah for thousands of years, A, and then Hashem is giving us, B, is going to give us Mashiach, and trees are going to grow from the, you know, things are going to grow from the trees, and it's like... It's like this is a you, you did your you did your deed and then there's a reward that's separate from the deed. You can't separate the two. The reward of the mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. We create mashiach. Every time you do a mitzvah, you're creating mashiach. It's another stepping stone, it's another brick in the temple. Because what is mashiach? Mashiach is nothing other than the reward of the mitzvah, the appreciation of what those mitzvot were all about. So mashiach is not as my man says, it's not it comes tomorrow. It's really here today, but, but we don't feel it today. And it will emerge or Mashiach will come. Because the essence is here. Every time we do a mitzvah, it's really you're at a taste of Mashiach. You're building toward Mashiach. But we don't fully appreciate it. So today, mitzvahs feel like a burden and feel like a yoke. And we have to struggle. And Mashiach will come. It won't be a yoke, it won't be a burden, it won't be a struggle. It will be pure pleasure, pure bliss. But Mashiach will help us realize that the reward is in the mitzvah. The reward was there all along. The reward is, is the mitzvah that we've been doing and the Torah that we've been doing. That is the end. That is the reward. It's not a separate thing. It's, it's, an, it's an integral part of everything that we're doing. Everything a Jew does all day and all night. Which is why a Jew feels the urgency of Mashiach. Why it's so urgent to us. Because every time we study Torah, every time we do a mitzvah, every time we're praying, we're really connecting with Hashem. But the, the, until Mashiach comes, right now we're only at the betrothal stage. Mount Sinai was only the betrothal stage. But it wasn't the consummation of the marriage. The fact that there's no temple, and the fact that there's still death and pain and suffering, and the fact that there's still evil, and the fact that there's still a and there's still exile, and Mashiach hasn't come yet, is a symptom of the fact that Hashem has not consummated his marriage. Yet. When you see the third temple and in the in-gathering of the exile, that will be a symptom that Hashem has consummated the marriage, which means that then everything will be revealed. Everything will be open. There won't be anyone hiding. Everything will be intimate. Everything will be totally open and revealed. So the fact that we're doing a mitzvah, expressing our love for Hashem, and realizing that Hashem hasn't yet consummated a marriage 3300 years have gone by and 18 years and Hashem still hasn't come out to the chuppah still locked up in his room he still hasn't come out to the chuppah refuses to go out to the chuppah it's intolerable for us I mean here we are expressing our love for Hashem how can Hashem express his love for us there's only one way he can express his love for us Mashiach
0: When, Mashiach. when,
1: when Mashiach will come and he'll consummate his marriage and we'll rebuild the third temple and move in with us permanently in a revealed way. Now, Hashem says He loves the Jewish people. We're the apple of His eye. We're His chosen people. But look how the Jews are reveled and despised and anti-Semitism. And look at Jews dying, you know, on a, on a daily basis. I just, I just lost my cousin. He, was, uh, he entered the Nahala Haredi just after Pesach. They were stationed in Yericho, and he got lost Few hours, you know, he lost his group, and he was new, and they found that He was killed. So this is a—it's uh, a deep, dark exile. it Doesn't get darker than that. Parents burying their children, their child. So a uh, mashiach hasn't come yet—not right? by any stretch of the imagination, not by far. You know, as long as there's pain and grief and suffering and evil and darkness, and, uh, and the temple is not built, and the Israel, the Jews are talking of giving up the entire land of Israel back to our enemies. Uh, this, is, this is very deep, dark exile. It's never been darker than this. So it's
0: actually because
1: of that? It's all good and fine. The bottom line is, he hasn't come yet. So the, the, for a Jew, it's intolerable. Every moment that we're... Everything, good deed that we do, we're expressing our love for Hashem. Why else are we doing this? Why, why are we bothering to do this? Why, why do we bother to study Torah, to do mitzvah, to pray? I mean, it, it, ultimately, it's only because we're expressing our love for Hashem. There is no ulterior motive a Jew today has no ulterior motive to be Jewish you can just you can just entertain yourself 24-7 and still live a life a Jew has no ulterior motive to do any of this ultimately what's motivating millions of Jews to connect with Hashem ultimately it's pure it's because we love Hashem we have a marriage we have a relationship there's no other reason how can Hashem express His love for us there's only one way ultimately it's to bring Mashiach until He brings Mashiach he betrothed us but he's refusing to marry us so it's it's it's, it's, it's a very it's a very very uh, mixed message so until Mashiach comes it's not revealed Mashiach will come Mashiach will reveal will feel what the mitzvah was all about what living a Jewish life was all about for thousands of years how we created Mashiach through our Torah through our mitzvah through our sacrifice through our dedication and devotion and kindness and good deeds and tzedakah We created Mashiach because that was Mashiach. That is Mashiach. Every time we do a mitzvah, it's another step to Mashiach. It's another link, another brick in the the temple because that is Mashiach. The reward of the mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. There is nothing else. That will be revealed and manifest once Mashiach comes. And that's why this is one of the 13 principles of faith. A, that the Torah will never change. And B, the belief in the coming of Mashiach, which is all about the 613 mitzvah. Mashiach will come we Will have the opportunity for the first time in Jewish history to fulfill all six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs, including animal sacrifices, including all of the six hundred and thirteen. We'll be able to connect with Hashem fully, with every part, every fiber of our being, every bone in our body, all two hundred and forty-eight limbs, all three hundred and sixty-five veins. It will be whole. <coughs> it will be a whole redemption. It will affect the whole Jewish people. It'll affect the whole entire world. The whole land of Israel will be redeemed. The whole Torah will be fulfilled. Every, the whole world will be elevated. It'll be a total redemption because everything will be manifest in tension. And we. Now it's hidden. Now it's concealed. So chapter four, this, this point that he's making here is really is very is very critical because it really helps us understand what the mitzvah is all about. How a Jew approaches mitzvah, how a Jew views a mitzvah. It's not just the tools, because today there's a lot of confusion. People are, people are searching for Yiddishkeit. And they're very sincere. There's no question about it. But because of ignorance, because of lack of education, they're trying to embellish it. You know, let's make Judaism a little more interesting. People are coming up with rituals, new rituals. New rituals for mikveh, new uses for mikveh. Not halachic. People are trying to find new ways make Yiddish kind of attractive or interesting. Which is really betrays a lot, total lack of understanding of what mitzvah is all about. Mitzvahs are not rituals. Rituals, you can embellish. Rituals is about a tool. A ritual is a tool, educational tool. It's about me. How can I actualize myself and how can I express myself and how can I spiritualize myself and sensitize myself? It's, what does God have to do with anything? God is totally out of the picture. It's me. And that's really betraying a lack of understanding of what a mitzvah is all about. The mitzvah is not about me. It's something far superior to me. To my highest, noblest, most self-aware, most highest level of consciousness. Far superior, more sublime, than the highest, most sublime spiritual reality. It's Hashem. It's a connection with Hashem. The essence of Hashem. By doing a mitzvah. It's like, it's like that the beautiful story with the chassid. Fasted for 30 years and... Never slept in a bed and was refining his character and refining himself. And he died young of all that fasting and self-deprivation. He became very weak and he was at night. He was totally aware till the end. He was surrounded in his bed, surrounded by his friends. And we saying him together, you know, wishing him a, a safe journey, his last journey. He felt that he was about to die. He was ready to say the Shema Yisrael and he turns to his friends and he says, you know what, I would give all my 30 years of fasting just to be able to live dawn, so I can put on film fill in one last time, and he passed away before dawn. He passed away, and his friend said, "You know, he was right. He's one hundred percent right. One one time doing one mitzvah is worth more than all the thirty years of spirituality and sensitivity and mysticism. It's all. It's worth more because a mitzvah is the divine. It's the essence. But it took him thirty years of fasting to appreciate." So in Judaism, the spirituality is a means. It's not the end. The end is the mitzvah. The end is the deed. It's just the opposite. Classically, we understood the mitzvah as a ritual. It's a means to an end. The end is the personality, the character, the inner, the spirituality, the depth, the sensitivity, the meditation. It comes along Yiddishkeit, it comes along Mount Sinai, and that's why Mount Sinai is a revelation, because it took us all by surprise. Even if you're an angel in heaven and you meditated for 6,000 years, you would never ever come to this realization, this conclusion. Because all religions emphasize the spiritual. It's the heart, it's the love, it's the mind, it's the higher level of consciousness. The action means nothing. The action is at best secondary, a ritual, a custom. But the truth is, comes along Mount Sinai, revelation, Hashem himself, that's why it's called revelation, a startling revelation, took us all by surprise. We would never dream of this in a million, zillion years. Hashem says, no. The deed is the end. The soul and the higher level of consciousness, that's just a means to an end. The deed is the highest. The action, the thought, the speech, the action is higher and greater than everything else. And the soul is the means to an end. You want to elevate your soul? There's only one way for you to elevate your soul. You want to connect with me, with the essence of God? There's only one way. When the soul encloses itself in the clothes of the mitzvah, that you pour your heart and soul in the mitzvah. You do the mitzvah, but it's an animated mitzvah. The mitzvah is alive. It's vibrant. It's joyous. It breathes. It's it's, it's real. It's it's with feeling. It's with heart, concentration, and focus, with depth. Through the mitzvah, your soul is elevated. It's the exact opposite of the way everyone understands it conventionally. Not just, even the classical Jewish understanding of a mitzvah. Comes along Hasidus, which is a taste of Mashiach, we get a taste of Mashiach before the coming of Mashiach, and turns the whole thing upside down. This is no. The mitzvah, that's the end in itself because it's all about a marriage a relationship. It's not about us. It's about Hashem. The opportunity that Hashem gave us to connect with the infinite, to connect with the essence, there's only one way. Through Torah. And when the soul realizes it, and the soul gets excited, the soul realizes the opportunity. Hashem gave us 613 opportunities to be intimate with Him, to be connect with Him, the soul gets excited. And that's what motivates the soul to do a mitzvah. And that's also what motivates the soul gets excited and the soul is afraid of disconnecting himself, of severing that link, of harming, of diminishing, even by one iota, this special relationship that we have. And that's why the soul refrains and disciplines himself and refrains and checks his appetites and checks his desires and won't, will, God forbid, not violate or trespass the boundaries that Hashem gave us and won't violate us. Hashem says, don't do it. I won't do it, even though I'm tempted to do it. So then that mitzvah is also done with feeling and with heart and with soul. So it's alive. And through that, the soul is elevated. So this, this chapter is, is one, of the, one of the primary chapters in the Tanya. It really totally, radically revolutionized the whole understanding of Torah and mitzvah. You can just imagine what the Hasidim without the Rebbe when they were reading this for the first time. How it, it must have blown their mind away. I mean, this is so revolutionary. This is so the exact opposite of the conventional way of thinking. So unconventional. But this is the M's. This is, this is, this is what it is. Okay, now he explains, explains the Zohar. Huh?
0: This means, since Torah is the wisdom and will of the Holy One, blessed be he, wisdom of Torah expresses God's wisdom, its practical application in law. Whether or not a particular object is kosher expresses his will, it is one with his glory and essence. Since he is the knower, the knowledge, and the known, as explained above in chapter 2 in the name of Maimonides, that these three aspects, separate and distinct in terms of human intellect, are, as they relate to God, one and the same entity. They are all godliness. Torah, being God's intellect, is thus one with God himself. And when a Jew understands and unites himself with it, he is united with God himself. From the above, we understand that since the garments of thought and speech of Torah study and the active performance of the commandments are united with God, they are even higher than the soul itself.
1: This presents a, uh, a problem, question. He explains, why is the Torah and Mitzvot higher? The garments of the soul are higher than the soul itself, because the garments of the Divine Soul are the Torah and Mitzvot, and the Torah and Mitzvot are one with Hashem. Why? Because God and His wisdom are one and the same, are inseparable. As he discussed earlier, he himself refers to the discussion, the lengthy discussion that we had in chapter 2. Do you remember what he said in chapter 2? Chapter 2, he discussed the Jewish soul, the divine soul, that each and every Jew has a piece of the divine essence. Because we are called the children of God, just like the child originates from the mind of the father, the sperm originates from the mind of the father. So a Jew originates from the supernal wisdom, and God and his wisdom and and himself are one and the same, are inseparable. He, uses, he quotes the same emanation. So the question is: If Torah is one with God, well, the soul is also one with God, because this, the Jewish soul originates from the supernal wisdom, and God and His mind are one and the same and several. That was the whole premise of Chapter Two in the Tanya. The essence of the Jewish soul is one with God; is a chelik, alokami lokamim, mamish—literally, a piece of the divine essence. So why does a Jew need mitzvah, Torah mitzvah, to, tell it to be connected with God? The divine essence, a Jew has a piece of divine essence, is already connected with the essence of God. I mean, it seems like a very obvious question. And he himself quotes here. He's quoting, as we discussed earlier, just a few pages ago in chapter 2, quoting the same Maimonides. If you look carefully, you see that he does change the order. Here, he quotes Maimonides and he says, he is the knower and the knowledge and the known. If you look back in chapter 2, page 49, he quotes Maimonides saying he's the knowledge and, and the knower. He changes around the order. There he says knowledge and then knower. Here he, here he says knower and then knowledge. Every word, we, we already learned many times, every word of the Al-Tarebi is very careful. Now the Rebbe spent weeks just thinking if he should add a vav, chapter four, 41, because the vav changes the whole meaning of the word, and he was thinking through. So here he changed just the sequence, the order, the reason why he, he's quoting what he wrote earlier, and yet he changes the order. So this is part of the hint or the answer that the Rebbe is giving us. The Rebbe's father, Levi explains that this is part of the answer that the Rebbe is hinting, uh, hinting at us. Anyone have any thoughts? Uh,
0: the Rebbe was, if the Rebbe was a human being, then this it would not be possible for him to have this insight without the direction of Hashem.
1: Well, this is this is the secrets of the Torah that was revealed through the Balshemta that he heard, learned from the Balshemta and from the Magad of Mizrich, and and also that was revealed to him as well. Yes, the, these are the this is the essence of Torah, the core, essence of Torah. Was revealed through the holy uh, souls <coughs> of the Hasidic rabbis, starting with the Baal and and Dov Ber, and out the Rebbe, and all the rabbis till, until the Rebbe. You're right. This is this is saintly saintly knowledge. This is uh, it insight. Didn't
0: come from his mind.
1: No, it's not just not just right. It's not just a philosophical, logical, rational. This is this is divine. It's divinely inspired. It's obvious. Um, But what's the answer to the question? Why does the soul need to be connected through the Torah and therefore the garments of the soul, which are the thought, speech, and action of Torah and mitzvot, why are they far superior to the soul itself when the soul is also connected to Hashem? The soul is a piece of the divine essence.
0: That's what completes the connection. The soul needs that to complete the whole...
1: But, but the whole premise of chapter 2 in Tanya was that the, the essence of the soul itself is a piece of the divine essence. The moment you're born, you already have a piece of the divine essence. you as Jewish as you'll get the moment you're born.
0: I remember um, reading somewhere that God loves um, the, the, the mitzvahs that, um, that people walk on, trample on, like, you know, the mitzvahs are... the needs That like you're to show you're doing something that's an action
1: of deed. Because again, that, that's really the the, the the moment of truth. That the, your motivation to do mitzvah is not because they're important. Mm-hmm. You gain a lot out of it. There's yeah. minor mitzvah, but that's that really that's the test. Mm-hmm. Why you're doing a mitzvah? You're doing a mitzvah because what I can gain from it, mm-hmm. or you're doing a mitzvah because this is what Hashem wants and you have a relationship with Hashem. If it's about a relationship, it doesn't matter, major minor. So that's really the test to see if you really get it, Mm -hmm. what the mitzvah is all about. Mm -hmm. It betrays a total lack of understanding of what the mitzvah is all about, like missing the whole point. Mm -hmm. But getting back to this question, in the chapter 2, he says, every Jewish soul is a chalik, a piece of the divine essence. On one hand, even the piece has the entire essence in it. But on the other hand, It's it's still a piece. Peace meaning that it's cut off, it's like separated
0: this completes the transaction?
1: It's like a child. A child is one with his parents, but a child also is also separate. Yeah. There is a separation. And on a very practical level, on a conscious level, we are separated. Our mind, our conscious self, our mind, our personality, our character, our mind, our heart, is finite, It's limited. You know, it's not infinite, it's not divine, it's limited. As much as we comprehend, as much as we understand, as much as we appreciate, as much as we're sensitive to, it's ultimately, it's still finite as sublime as we are, whatever we accomplish, we still find that unlimited. So on that level, we're cut off, we're disconnected. Versus Torah, the advantage of Torah, the superiority of Torah, is that Torah is is obviously connected with Hashem. Even when when Torah comes into this world, even when Torah speaks of material things, and Torah speaks of uh, an axe uh, uh, goring another axe, and talks of laws of tenement, and the Talmud and talks about practical agriculture whatever it is the Torah remains holy the Torah remains obviously connected even when the Torah comes into this world the Torah remains obviously connected to God as expressed in the Talmud words of Torah do not receive impurity they remain pure even if an impure person studies Torah the Torah remains pure we cannot contaminate the Torah the Torah retains its divinity it retains its divine connection at all times at all places the Torah remains divine. While a human being, even though our, at our core, at our essence, we really have a piece of the divine essence. But nevertheless, we can sin. We can disconnect. At least on a conscious level. We can harm our souls. We can do damage. We can harm our souls. You can't harm the Torah. The Torah remains pure. No matter what happens. At the essence. But on a certain level. On a conscious level, you can harm... Harm, harm your soul and disconnect it from it but the Torah always remains pure the Torah always remains connected the Torah is like a light you can't sever the light from its source there's light that's connected to its source points to its source well a Jew we don't always point our source not on a conscious level <laughs> you look at a Jew so that we look at ourselves we don't feel divinity we don't feel divine Torah is divine Torah is holy you can't take it away from it the Torah always remains holy we don't feel we at least on a conscious level you don't sense that holiness you don't sense it you don't feel it you don't act that, you don't act that way so we could do damage we could do harm we could sever that connection yes it's true even the fact that we can do harm or we do damage is also an expression of our connection if we wouldn't be connected we couldn't do any damage right if a stranger acts wild it doesn't harm you it doesn't hurt you if your own child acts wild it hurts you very deeply, it pains you very deeply, because it's your own. So it's only the fact that we, we are connected that we can do so much damage and wreak havoc. It's only because we're connected that our sins, even the sin, has meaning. That we can cause damage in the heavens above and metaphysically and wreak havoc and ruin and destroy Hashem's whole creation. But So yes, it's true. It's also an expression of our connection. But on an overt level, that's covert. On an overt level we wreak havoc, we create damage, we create a scar in our soul and we don't feel that divinity, we don't feel that connection. So in order for the soul to be consciously connected, it has to be through the Torah mitzvah, which is why the only way for Jews to survive, if you look objectively at Jewish history, 3,800 years of Jewish history, it's a fact, undeniable fact, that those Jews kept their connection to Torah, who studied Torah and lived the Jewish lifestyle, observed the mitzvah, have lived, for, have lived forever, survived. Every Jew that's alive today, it's because our ancestors, for thousands of years, without a single interruption, all the way back from Abraham, all the way back till three, four generations ago, have faithfully adhered to and followed the Torah and the mitzvah, the 613 mitzvah, through fire and water, through thick and thin. Nothing could deter them and they have survived. All other Jews, those Jews who have disconnected themselves from Torah Mitzvah, or stopped studying, stopped connecting, stopped observing, have disappeared. One generation, two generations, three generations, the most four generations, not a trace left. Intermarried, assimilated, disconnected, gone, lost forever to for the Jewish people. Because he can't survive. Because although the essence is there, but if there's no connection to Torah Mitzvah, there's no visible connection, there's no conscious connection, it cannot survive. So the only way for the Jew to survive is only through Torah, through so that visible connection. That's our lifeline. That's our life is. It's like a fish in water. For a Jew, you remove yourself from Torah. As Rabbi Kiva said, it's like t- t- removing the fish from water. You can't live for a moment. You know, like living without air. This is our air that we breathe. This is the water that we, we swim in, in the Sea of the Talmud. If we don't s- swim in the Sea of Torah, we can't survive for a moment. So this is our visible connection. Otherwise, overtly, we die. So the secret of Jewish eternity is our connection through Torah. And through Torah and mitzvot, we're connected to Hashem. And that's why also the Alter Rebbe changes the language of Maimonides. When it comes to... In Chapter 2, he said, he is the, the knowledge and the knower. So first is the knowledge, and then is the knower. The knower meaning Hashem Himself. So the connection is a little more remote. The knowledge and the knowledge is connected to the knower and is one with the knower. Here he starts out that the Torah, he is the knower, which is Hashem Himself. Because the Torah is more visibly connected with Hashem. It's more visibly divine. Even as the Torah comes into this world and the Torah makes sense to us and it's logical and it's explained in a way that's accessible to us, but nevertheless the Torah retains its divinity. It's pure and it's holy. And it connects us in that level. So when I Jew studies Torah, it overtly connects us with Hashem. It consciously connects us with Hashem. While the soul, the soul comes down into in our conscious frame of mind, our mind, our heart, it's hidden. Yes, deep down we all have that pintlead, we have that pilot, we have that spark. It's there, it's intact, it's all, but we don't you know, access it, we can't access it. The way to access it is through Torah Mitzvah. That's the key. That's that's our, that's the wires. So yes, every Jew is like a a television set, you know. But it's sitting dark, dead, blank. You have to plug in. When you plug it in, suddenly comes to life. Three dimensional and it's alive and it's colorful and it's happening. So in order for the Jew to come alive, it's all sitting there, the, the machine it's all inside. But for it to come alive, you you need the juice. You need the electricity. That's the Torah. The Torah is the juice. The Torah is electricity. The Torah makes a Jew come alive. So, yes, all the equipment is there. Everything is intact. The Jew has everything he needs. But you need that spark. You need that light. And the light, that's the Torah. That's the electricity. That's the juice. Without it, it's it's dead. It's nothing. So that's why he says in order for the Jew to connect with Hashem to overtly connect with Hashem is only one way through studying Torah and doing it. now the reason why a Jew is able to connect through Torah is because a Jew has that core connection you know when a non-Jew studies Torah it's not the same it doesn't happen for them because it, they, they don't have that relationship, intimate relationship they don't have that piece of the divine essence because a Jew has that divine essence, but when a Jew studies Torah, it comes alive. Everything that he has comes alive. And it comes becomes overt. And then the Jew is obviously a holy people. You look at the, you look at you look at the face, you look at the person, and you see holiness. You see, you see the holiness, it's overt. Otherwise it's covert. It's there. But it's hidden. But when it's overt, then the non Jew respects the Jew. He's in awe of a Jew's holiness. When a Jew acts like a Jew, and acts with pride, and acts with dignity, and acts as a God fearing Jew should act and behave, then the, the, the whole world is in awe of the Jew. As with Daniel, even the lions. Put him to sleep, it's a good sign. <laughs> he was staring at me for a while, did you know to say? <laughs> what are hacking and Chinese? That's um, not like, the way
0: like, it works.
1: <laughs> but the, the nil and the lions.
0: No, but I'm saying oh. that you, you oh. may think that of each uh, getting
1: plenty. <laughs> the Shama understands.
0: we should all be around to see who you talk to Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. My, my, I don't know I don't know. my mother was taking me to Tanya classes. I was just six months old. <laughs>
0: five, five months. Five
1: months. Not even. Not even. When you first brought him, he was...
0: Uh, two months.
1: Two months. Says <laughs> one of the great Talmudic rabbis. It says in the second chapter, Ethics of Our Fathers. Rabbi Yeshua, Ashri um Blessed is the one who gave birth to him. Because his mother would take him in the crib and bring him to the measures, He should absorb all the Torah study. You know, like the mothers today, they teach their kids French from the mother's womb, and mm-hmm. that's why, you know, they grow up into brilliant uh, Nobel pri- Prize winners. Oh, this is, imagine what happens when you take a child and they absorb that holiness and this, the, the Torah study. There's no question. <coughs> it's a, a tremendous thing. Maybe one day he'll be a Tanya teacher. <laughs> God oh,
0: You never really finished the, the thought, I'm, even though the soul is, the, is the one with God, mm-hmm still incomplete until
1: because it's it's disconnected consciously disconnected you don't feel that connection you don't appreciate that connection it's it's deep down the subconscious it's the core it's the essence but you don't feel it you can't access it on a conscious level you just feel your mind your heart and that's limited and that's finite and therefore you're you feel apart from hashem you don't feel one with hashem even a tzaddik who loves hashem has pleasure in Hashem, has delight in Hashem, and desires Hashem, and years for Hashem. But ultimately, you desire Hashem. There's you and there's Hashem. There's a separation. Torah, there's no separation. Torah is like a light. The light has nothing other than than the source. There's nothing else. The light just points to the source. Like the Torah is the infinite light of Hashem. And the infinite light of Hashem is revealed in the Torah. The Torah is divine. Obviously divine. Overtly divine. Consciously divine. Every aspect of the Torah, every letter in the Torah, every part of the Torah, every section of the Torah is divine. It's holy, It's palpable. You can feel that holiness. You feel that purity. But we, and the, and the Torah cannot become impure. We could become impure. We could sin. We can sever. We can disconnect. We can do damage. We can wreak havoc. We can cause pain, grief. Because we're a child, but a child could also rebel. A child could also do things that's contrary to his essence, contrary to his nature. So um, we can we have that choice. We have freedom of choice. Well, we We're, independent. We're independent. We're We can do truva too. We can do truva too. We can come home. Come home to a place that we re- we never really left, because deep down our essence is there. But it's not overt. And until you do triva, truva could make up. Truva could wipe away all the scars, truva couldn't make up for all that pain. But until you do triva, the pain it is there, the grief is there. Until you mend, until you make mends, until you make the tikkun, you even, we can insult, we can humiliate, we can harm, and we can cause Hashem tremendous pain and tremendous grief. Because our neshama is tremendous pain and tremendous, tremendous hurt. Um, every time we do something wrong, it's, it's, it's like a concentration camp for us. Therefore, we need an overtly converted, the only way for us to overtly connect with Hashem, to ignite that spark within us, through Torah and Mitzvah. That's the juice, that's the electricity that wakes us up, that ignites the spark. That overtly, covertly, we should be holy to reveal that holiness. I and mean, when a Jew is immersed in Torah, a Jew is immersed in Torah and Mitzvah, when he walks down the street, you can, this holiness is palpable. It's written all over the face, it's written all over his being, his carriage. And the non Jew respects it. It's like the, the whole world of nature respects it, like, like Daniel and the lion's den. Even the, the lions were afraid to touch him because his his whole being was holy. So every Jew is holy, yes, but by us it's not overt. By him it was so overt that even the lions paid respect. Him. You know, you, you know, what Daniel told the lions. Says, after, after dinner, there's going to be a speech. <laughs> <laughs> but they, uh, they tell the story like the Alter Rebbe. And Alter Rebbe was in prison, and when he put on his tefillin, the author of the Tanim, he put on his tefillin. The guards were terrified. because It says in the Talmud, it says the Goyim, the nations of the world, will see your Tefillin, and they'll be afraid of you. They'll be in awe of you. So the Talmud says, this refers to Tefillin Sheberosh, the Tefillin of the head, which is overt. The Tefillin in the hand is covered, it's covered. But the Tefillin in the head is on the head, it's prominent, it's displayed, it's open, revealed, When the Goyim will see it. So someone asked the question, he says, I put on Tefillin and oh. No, no one doesn't know. When I put on tefillin, he says, "Listen carefully to what the Talmud says." The Talmud says, "Eilut tefillin sheberish." It's tefillin that's in your head. Al-Terebi didn't just put on tefillin; he put on tefillin with every fiber of his being and every bone of his body. The tefillin were in his head. His mind was totally focused and concentrated on the tefillin, on the media, on the tefillin. Therefore, so by him it was overt, and therefore his holiness was also overt, and it had that overt effect on the world around him that the goyim were in awe of him. So, yes, deep down we all have that spark, and we all have that a Jew is holy even if he doesn't realize it and doesn't know it, and we we can't affect that holy spark, and the essence is there, but if it remains covert, nothing happens. It's like an inheritance that you don't use. You could be a billionaire. You're walking around in tatters, and you're walking around homeless because you're not withdrawing from the bank account. You don't know, you're illiterate, so you don't know how to make a withdrawal statement withdrawal slips. You don't have to use that money. So Every Jew is a billionaire. We inherit it. The moment you were born, it, it's there. But unless you study Torah, unless you do mitzvah, you have no way to express it. The only way for us to express that core, to tap into that core and that essence, is only through Torah and mitzvah. When a Jew studies Torah and, and you do a mitzvah, you're linking, you're connecting, you're tapping in, and you're doing something that resonates deep, deep down inside of you, and then you come fully alive. Then lie, is the truth. And that's overt. And then then you're living like the billionaire that you are.
0: It's up to us to be continued. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com